the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Great to be together today. We've got another great program. We will have a couple of interesting guests. Again, we'll talk to our friend, uh, excuse me, Dr. Ted Malik. And uh, he will talk about Italy. He knows uh, Georgia Maloney personally, so that's cool. And John Schlafly will join us, and we'll talk a little bit about the Supreme Court and some cases up there. What you need to know today is a souffle only rises once. A souffle only rises once. The phrase is uh, one that's been bent, bandied around uh, in politics a number of times. It is um, uh, var- variously attributed uh, to uh, different um uh, people, I think it was, um, is it, is it Margaret Truman, uh, that initially said it at someone somewhere in that, uh, in that uh, period of time, uh, the other, the other phrase you'll sometimes hear it is a, a, the souffle never rises twice. Uh, either one of those works fine. Uh, my point in telling you that is that you're starting to see the stories of, uh, Beto O'Rourke, Beto O'Rourke was the guy who ran for Senate a few years ago and came kind of close uh, to beating Ted Cruz. Then he ran for president and didn't come anywhere near there. And now he's running for governor of Texas and he's losing. They're starting to write the stories and they're saying Beto O'Rourke uh, is um, uh, it's it's the end of his career if he loses. Now, here's the interesting thing. You can have sort of second chances in politics, but you sort of have to figure out how to either ride it up, ride the wave up and succeed or come back later. My examples are, um, you know, uh, Barack Obama was a state senator. He then ran for U.S. senator and won and kept going and won for president. Um, So he kept sort of rising. He rose with the thing. Other examples of of sort of you 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 flame out. I mean, John John Edwards was the big one, but he flamed out more spectacularly. But on the Republican side, like Rick Santorum, there was a minute where Rick Santorum seemed to be a real national leader, and then the next time he ran nothing. Huckabee ran next time there was nothing. You sort of have, especially when you're uh, you're you rise in the in the polls, you sort of have one chance unless you can build on it. Now, here's an interesting thought: somebody like. Uh, Pete Buttigieg, he ran and was the, you know, the red hot uh, souffle rising. And then he stepped into the cabinet and sort of insulated himself. Ted Cruz, Ted Cruz ran and he was hot in 2016. And he's sort of been back around a little bit. He's been able to kind of rebrand himself and work through the Senate. But it's funny to see Beto O'Rourke was literally they were calling him the second coming of John F. Kennedy. The original, not JFK Jr. for all the people that are conspiracy theories. And Beto O'Rourke was going to be this incredible popular success. He was going to he was going to end up as president of the United States, blah, 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 on and on. And his career is ending, ending fairly miserably. Uh, and it does bring to mind, I have said that it will be very difficult to be a two term president because the Klieg lights of the modern era are much brighter. They're not just bright. In fact, they're they're 100 percent bright as day, 24 hours a day. 
If the Klieg lights were bright in the past, they at least came on at night and they kept you up late. But then they went out and during the day they're on 100 percent, a million watts, kilo, you know, megawatts of, of energy uh, shining onto people in office is very hard to sustain, I think, for in the long term. And so somebody like um, even uh, well, Biden, obviously, it's incredible to watch the difference in his uh, cognitive um, ability in over the last few years. That's unbelievable to watch. But even a younger person, it, it, you will see uh, the difference uh, be very, very stark. And uh, and I think that that's because of the dynamic you have in our um, current system um, of, of this sort of bright lights that never stop. They never there's no break to it. Uh, and there won't be. There won't be at all. But the, but the stories of Beto O'Rourke, I mean, he's down by he's down by 10 points right now. And, that, and these polls are lies. Uh, these are, this is a period of time where they're lying about the polls. Um, the uh, So you're going to see that over and over again. And what will be interesting to see is if there are any others uh, who either, well, there'll be two things to see to watch in the fall. There will be some new uh, stars rising. And there will be some others that uh, step out and fade. One is Beto O'Rourke, of course, uh, but it will be, uh, you know, the, the uh, uh, Herschel Walker, if he wins. Will that be a big one? Could be. Um, if they re- if the Republicans win the Senate, Senator Rick Scott, who has been the head of the campaign committee, I think he will uh, try to uh, take credit and uh, rise. He's a very wealthy guy who is uh, also positioned to um, to uh, um, uh, run for president if he if he wants to now. Um, let me shift gears to um, Elon Musk. I'm trying to look at my notes here. I'm trying to get it. Uh, Elon Musk has made this bid for uh, Twitter. He changed his mind about the lawsuit over Twitter. And they, well, he's in the lawsuit because Twitter sued him and said, you have to go forward. He said, OK, I'll go forward at the regular price. I think he was it seemed like he was negotiating to go down. He's going to say, I'll pay a 54 plus dollars a share. The reality of this is. If he goes through with the sale, it, it probably would happen in the next three months, six months. So he would be in charge by 2024. He says he's for free speech. But here's the question. Here's what here's how these are related. How powerful is the choice of big tech and big media of who the rising stars are? How powerful is big tech and big media at defining the range, the constellation of stars in politics. If you just watch the coverage of, say, Alex Jones, Alex Jones is a a, a one. It's not fair. It must be 80 percent name ID in America done by the media and big tech. Even as they ban him, they promote him, meaning they people know who he is. And I'm reminded there was a, a, a number that was uh, 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 analyzed, and I don't know if it uh, was scientific or if it was just anecdotal, of the number of times that Kamala Harris was talked about as a leading presidential candidate. Now, she, on CNN, she was uh, 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 the head of CNN at the time, Jeff Zucker, had had a fundraiser for her, had said she was one of the great candidates. She was a terrible candidate for president, and yet she ended up VP. And the power of the media to pick the range of winners and losers is more powerful than ever. So now pausing, it is true a hundred years ago, maybe 120 years ago, you had 
Pulitzer and you had, uh, you know, uh, Hearst helping to pick their candidates. They wrote about them. They talked about them. They defined them. That's common. There's nothing about that that's uncommon, that the power of media and the power of the messaging, getting the message out can be controlled and dominated by, you know, at a certain point in Chicago, uh, you know, there was a the Chicago Tribune and other uh, entities. Time magazine had a disproportionate influence at one point. But the power of big tech and big media, it's beyond anything we've ever had. And without even knowing it, we are having our choices defined for us. So think about how what it would be like to know and have glowing uh, interviews and glowing um, analyses and glowing, you know, uh, New York Times magazine pieces on pick somebody. Um, pick a pick somebody that's not uh, famous right now. I mean, I guess um, I guess Devin Nunes already had that happen a little bit. But right now we, we are being told by the media that Ron DeSantis is the candidate. Right. He's being picked. We're being told that Ron DeSantis is this and that. Now, he's done a pretty good job. I'm not actually complaining. I'm just saying beware of Fox News telling us who our candidates are. Beware of CNN telling us who our candidates are and by coverage and big tech. You know, I did an interview earlier today and they played back the clip of Zuckerberg saying that the FBI contacted him a month or two before the election in 2020 and said, beware, Russian disinformation is coming. And then when the Hunter Biden laptop came, the intelligence community said, it's Russian disinformation. And, and Zuckerberg said, oh, I guess it is. We were warned about that. And they shut it down. Again, those are just the ones you're seeing. These are just the examples that you can see because it's become publicly known or become somewhat known. Imagine the power of being able to pick which souffle rises, which star is a shooting star. And of course, which star has the most trouble? You talk about the wrap up smear that Nancy Pelosi's talked about, where she said, you know, you say a smear, they write the smear, then you cite the writing of the smear, then you go forward. I have told you over and over again, that's amateur hour, the wrap up smear. What she really means is the narrative machine where big government frames the issue, media covers it, then the politicians comment on it. And the best example is Congressman Matt Gates of Florida who the smear on him was big government. They said, oh, we're investigating trafficking, trafficking. Now, Matt Gates was single at the time. He's married now. He was single. He was certainly dating. I think that was he was well known. He, like, he's a Floridian. He's a, a good looking enough guy. I think he had a bunch of different girlfriends. And so there he is. The, 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 the narrative machine said, oh, we must cover the Department of Justice. Sources say we're investigating him. One of his friends looks like a real lech. And for years now, two years, the media has covered that and the media has frozen that politician. He is was one of the more effective communicators on the Republican side, and he was totally iced out. Big tech and big media picked the winners and losers. And again, they don't have to say, don't pick so and so to be your presidential candidate. They never let him emerge. They never let them emerge. It's like the coverage of Nikki Haley, who I'm no fan of, as she tries to be positioned for president. She gets more coverage from the media that wants to cover her. In my opinion, she's pretty soft on a bunch of conservative issues, and she's kind of a neocon. 
Not kind of, she is. Now, she did support Trump at times, backed off at times. But she's picked by Fox News. She's picked by CNN. And the universe that we're allowed to look at, that we can see in the sky, the stars that we can see in the sky are controlled by big tech and big media like never before. It's breathtaking. A souffle only rises once, and we don't even get to do the bacon anymore. That's the problem. All right. That's what you need to know. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up there for the daily emails, uh, ProAmericaReport.com. Be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to check in with John Schlafly. John Schlafly writes a weekly column. It's called the Schlafly Report. Uh, It is the, um, well, it's the fruit of, I don't know, 60 years, 70 years of living and working with the late Phyllis Schlafly. John and his brother Andy write a weekly column, the Schlafly Report. This week's column is entitled New Court, New Senate. uh, And you can go over to townhall.com and check it out. And also visit phyllisschlafly.com where all of John's columns are archived. Welcome back, John. Before we get to the column, you do reference it in there i believe yeah you do that um the uh, trump administration filed uh, what an emergency application to the supreme court about the mar-a-lago raid can you walk us through the basics of that for our listeners well uh yes ed now uh, i guess it's not it's not really the trump administration anymore but oh sorry sorry yeah yeah. (laughs) former president donald trump and of course everyone knows about the raid on his home and and the fact that uh, Trump challenged that with a filing, and he you know looked into a sympathetic federal judge um, who basically called a halt to it, while a special master is who was a retired judge was uh, engaged to review all the documents that were seized in the raid, hundreds and hundreds of documents. So while that was going, the uh, Justice Department under Merrick Garland appealed to the Court of Appeals. But now, you know, Trump has gone to the Supreme Court with an application yesterday and a very, very well-written application, I would say. I did. I read it. And um, the Supreme Court uh, today, uh, this morning, I just checked, has uh told the Justice Department that they need to file a response by next Monday. Mm. So they won't act until the government responds to Trump's emergency application. And uh, so what Trump's very, very good lawyer has done is to identify a flaw in the Justice Department's uh, application to try and stop it, and to, uh, which it has to do with the jurisdiction of the court. And, uh, you know, the lawyers among your listeners, Ed, will know that jurisdiction is the most important thing in any court, whether the court has jurisdiction, which means the power to decide a matter. And they, uh, Trump has pointed out that the federal court of appeals uh, that's supervising the case of the uh, raid on Mar-a-Lago did not have jurisdiction because the case was not final. Cases cannot be appealed until they're final, except in certain circumstances which don't apply here. So that's a bit of a technicality. Uh, but the good news for your listeners is is that the Trump's lawyers have made a very, very credible showing 
that the Supreme Court needs to step in and uh, exercise some supervision over what is going on in uh, connection with the raid. And, uh, you know, the different uh, circuits of the United States are divided up among the justices. And it so happens that Justice Clarence Thomas is in charge of these emergency appeals from the state of Florida. So Justice mm. Thomas is you know, <laughs> in charge of this. So that's yeah. another good thing. That's uh, the uh, the that will send the left uh, has sent the left left into uh, spasms of outrage. Uh, we're talking with John Schlafly. John, the column this week that you 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 and Andy Schlafly are referring to the fact that this week the U.S. Supreme Court's back in session. Um, there is, of course, uh, Joe Biden's nominee and confirmed by the Senate appointee Katani ja- Brown Jackson. She is on the bench, um, and and there she is. Um, but as you refer to, five weeks from now, the U.S. Senate is up on the ballot. I mean, uh, the, the be a lot of Senate races and, and you go into this. Uh, tell me about the judges, John. I, I think people are missing. A lot of things happen when you're in, in the executive branch. When you're in the White House, a lot of things happen that has nothing to do with Congress. It's good or bad. It's it, it, I mean, it, and, and that's the executive. Um, that's the power of the executive and the administrative state. But with the bare majority, uh, Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer have done a lot on judges. Walk me through this, John. Well, as your listeners know, the Senate is divided 50-50, but because uh, the vice president uh, is a Democrat and the vice president presides over the Senate, she has the deciding vote. And one of the deciding votes that she cast was to organize the Senate uh, in 2017. And uh, so that meant that she cast a dividing vote to, you know, make Chuck Schumer the majority leader. And uh, so he's been ramming through judges and uh, Biden has uh, appointed more judges, federal judges at this stage in his presidency than any recent president. He's just he's just churning them out. Hmm. And every one of them is a progressive, woke, you know, equity and inclusion and diversity minded judge. And uh there's just no end to them. And he's filling up the federal courts with these left wing judges. But, uh, you know, if if the Republicans take, you know, gain us gain one seat in the Senate and they only need one, you know, that'll be the end of that. I trust to stop that the machine, which has been confirming these radical left judges. Uh, we're talking with uh, John Schlafly uh, about uh, his column this week, which uh, again runs over townhall.com as well as his archived at Phyllis Schlafly.com. Uh, John, uh, so uh, by the way, it's kind of lost on people. Uh, the 2020 election um, had it gone the other way, um, uh, even in one Senate seat or the presidency, you wouldn't have Katani uh, Jackson. You wouldn't have the, the Democrat replacement. Now you might not have had a retirement. That's a different question, right? There might've been hang on, but um John, on the the court, the recent articles I've noticed, uh, recent essays, articles about how the court has become political. This is the new because it's conservative now. It's become political. Uh, what's your sense, though, of this court? Uh, did they go through Dobbs now? And do you have a sense that this is a confident center right conservative court that's going to march and it's going to be obvious to you going forward? Or, or are we going to are we going to deal with um, some hemming and hawing and, and Chief Justice Roberts managing some of the aspect? How do you feel? about it well uh, the uh, the liberals and the left-wing mainstream media believes that they can intimidate members of the supreme court they believe that for years 
and the way they intimidated Anthony Kennedy for the 30 years that he was on the court, the way they intimidated David Souter. And, and, and this was used to be called the greenhouse effect after Linda Greenhouse, uh, the yeah. New York Times. Well, she's retired, but they haven't given up on that. And so uh, your listeners are aware that there's a constant drumbeat of these statements that the Supreme Court is needs to be concerned about its legitimacy and every news story. And that's not just opinion, but every news story is yapping about legitimacy and uh, you know, no, who knows what that even means. But what it really means is they're trying to intimidate John Roberts, Chief Justice, into backing off from when he makes his decisions. And, uh, uh, you know, they're trying to intimidate, you know, and make him think that, OK, well, after Dobbs, now they have to change course and stop, you know, making any more decisions that uh, that are favor the conservatives. So uh, it's a game. Um, we have lifetime appointments to the Supreme Court because the justices are supposed to be immune to that kind of influence. And But other than Clarence Thomas and Sam Alito, frankly, I'm afraid that the other justices can be influenced by uh, public opinion in this but, way. By the way, John, uh, John Schlafly is our guest. He also is an attorney, I should have mentioned, and, and, and uh, also has an LLM, an advanced degree in, uh, in uh, law also. Um, uh, John, I, I wanted to mention, you know, you mentioned the greenhouse effect. That was the, a term describing um, the influence of Linda Greenhouse, who was a longtime, was it New York Times uh, writer, John, or was it Washington Post or both? Yeah, yeah. New, new York Times. Well, did you see, John, that there's a new book out? It's actually gotten a little bit of criticism, not much, uh, but from uh, Nina Totenberg, it's, it's, and it, I don't know what we can call it. The greenhouse effect was one thing. It's called Dinners with Ruth, a memoir on the power of friendships. And it basically goes into how she piled around with Ruth Bader Ginsburg the last few years of her life, maybe longer, having dinner all the time, especially during COVID. And, uh, and of course, then she was writing constantly for uh, and reporting for NPR, as well as, uh, I guess, the National Observer. So I don't know if you saw that one, John. It's, uh, it's uh, the I guess greenhouse at least had an influence because she was writing influentially nina totenberg was hanging out with them well and nina of course nina totenberg to anyone who's followed nina totenberg that's not really a surprise yeah, yeah still it was a you know it was something to see her put that out there in black and white and you know nina totenberg was part of the conspiracy to stop clarence thomas when right, he was right. nominated in uh 1991 yeah. And so she goes way back and she yeah. was a bitter disappointment. She, she wasn't able to stop Thomas and she's been trying to undermine him ever since. Yeah, and Totenberg, by the way, her sister is a federal judge uh, uh, who's been who's in Georgia, I believe, and presiding over some of these election cases that arose out of the 2020 election. So. Um, Amazing. But Nina Tonerberg, yeah, she, I think, well, it's time for her to retire, too. She can go right <laughs> with Linda Greenhouse and uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg into, into retirement, I would say. There you go. All right, John Schlafly, I got to run. John Schlafly, the column is over at townhall.com and available at phyllisschlafly.com, archived there. Thank you, John, for your time, as always. We will take a break, and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. <laughs> 
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to check in with Ted Malik, our a great friend, uh, Theodore Roosevelt. Malik, of course, is an author, a businessman, a professor on all sides of the Atlantic, especially, but all over the world. And uh, he writes frequently now at American Greatness, amgreatness.com, a new piece over there about Italy and uh, Georgia Maloney. So welcome back, Ted. How are you? I'm really good. Uh, thanks. So uh, before we get to Georgia Maloney, uh, your observations on the EU and its handling of the twin problems. They're, they are paired, I know, but one is really more distinct than the other. Uh, of the, the pairing, I mean, is there was a war in Ukraine, but the other is the economy and, uh, and the European economy. The Germans taking care of the Germans, the rest of the EU wondering why the Germans don't take care of everybody else like they are supposed to do or whatever they think they're supposed to do. What's your observations on on uh, what's happening in Europe? Well, you know, I've been a harsh critic of the EU. I have no problem with economic cooperation between sovereign states, but the idea of a federalized socialist Europe is anathema to me, and it is to more and more Europeans. Uh, we'll talk about the election in Italy, which proves that, but the EU is uh, coming apart. I wish it would just blow up and fall apart, but yeah, a, a regime that works only for Germans discounts the 28 other countries uh, doesn't really work. The situation in the Ukraine has made that worse. It's going to get much worse this winter because there's no gas and no heat. And the economy, while you think it's bad in the U.S., it's even worse in Europe. More than 10% inflation, um, very, very, very bad economic policies. And now the euro itself, which I call a fake currency, is trading at about 0.96 to the dollar. So if you want to buy a property in Europe, Ed, Good time to do it. Good. Well, I, I mean, the only problem is I'd have to go to Europe or live in Europe. I mean, I like a little. We could buy a little uh, place in a, in the hills of Umbria somewhere and and go over. And problem is, we'd be in the hills of Umbria in the midst of that economy. But all right, let's 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 shot let's let's shift to Italy for a moment, or not for a moment, for the rest of this interview. Maloney's Grande Nuova Italia is the title of your column. First of all, only Ted Malik can open his column uh, quoting Dante. He, he had just t- totally Ted style. So, but um. Before we get too far into it, can Georgia Maloney and her coalition survive for long? I've already seen talk about the EU that they're they're pressuring her and the coalition. There's a, there's a move amongst the MEP, the sort of conservative uh, coalition in the European Parliament to to force Berlusconi and his party out of the coalition with Maloney. I mean, I feel like Trump had to take on all of the deep state and the Democrats. Maloney's got to take on all of Europe, it looks like. Yes, it is a big task, and that will be never-ending. Uh, I would remind you that I am probably the only America American to have been made persona non grata by the European Union. So whatever I say, they particularly take note of. Right. Uh, I would also, uh, just to start the conversation, remind all of us, you might know this, that since World War II, Italy has had 69 governments. That's a different government on average every 1.1 years. Uh, so can Maloney's government last two years? Uh, that which would be an achievement in Italy. It could. Uh, she's a strong person, a strong leader. She does have a coalition with uh, uh, the Lega and, um, and with uh, Berlusconi's party. So she has to keep her own coalition together. And there are, you know, 20-odd parties in Italy. It's a 
uh, you know, proportional representation uh, parliamentary system. So it's very complicated. And yes, the EU is gunning for her. That is very clear. Uh, we're talking with Ted Malik, and so back to her then. Um, her vision for um, for Italy, a third largest economy in Europe, the Italian economy, but struggling economy. Lots of tensions within that economy, north versus south, uh, industrial versus the old ag. Um, does she have? Uh, how strong a hand does she have? I mean, if if she wants to be a a, she's automatically a player because Italy is on the in, in the EU, but she's got a lot of weakness in the Italian. Uh, situation and and so again how long does she last i mean that's my worry well the statistics i just gave you are not totally optimistic right and um uh, you know the left in italy which or even the center left in italy which has been dominant for decades is certainly not pleased with this so-called right-wing victory uh, there are they are clearly trying to smear her with the untruth of her being a fascist, which is I mean, she was just elected and she will leave office if she's unelected. She's not a fascist. Uh, right. She's dynamic. She's bold. She's courageous. Here's the key thing. And she really worships Trump, by the way. I know her personally. So I'm saying this oh. from a conversational point of view. She's highly patriotic. Her platform was very simple, was three things. God, family, nation. Hmm. Pretty, pretty, uh, pretty resonant for most Americans. Uh, now, um, she is the other nations like Hungary and Poland immediately perked up. Right. They said, aha, we, we have it, you know, because Hungary, as much as we love uh, the energy there, it's a small nation and a small economy. And Poland's bigger, but still small, smaller nation, small economy. The Italians as an ally, that's a big deal. It is, and there are similarities between those three and right-of-center parties in other co- countries, even in Spain, where Vox is on uh, the ascendancy, you know, which could also become further to the right. Uh, there, there is a lot of uh, movement, you could say, within the European circles, a lot of populism, a lot of uh, orientation towards the nation again and away from this centralization, and even, to some degree, uh, away from socialism itself. And of course, I would remind you, you remember that uh, in the UK just uh, a few short years ago, they had their own uh, referendum and through Brexit, they left right. the European Union. Right. So we jokingly say put exit in uh, the back of any European country, two letters, and you have a movement in that given country. Well, and that, again, that's a good, we're talking to Ted Malik, uh, Ted, uh, uh, pulling back a little bit from just Italy. It's happening everywhere. I uh, meaning there, they, they like to, the, the, the media likes to say it's an, a nationalist movement, a white nationalist movement. They, all these things they try to do in America, but what's happening around the world is people want their government looking out for them. And, and that form, they can call it populism. If you want, it's a, sort of it is a nationalistic a focus on us first mentality europe though ted they're about 50 years too late aren't they on the question of say immigration and assimilation and uh church attendance things that knitted together these nations is it is it possible to to with a replacement you know with a birth rate so low in italy and other places is it possible to have a nation in 25 years well let's hope so in the case of um, Italy, they are going to change their policy completely. Salvini will, in my view, be the minister of the interior again. There will not be uh, migration, certainly illegal migration, immigration into Italy. 
And, and that seems to be one of the leading uh, policy orientations of the European right, that these countries are for their citizens. You, you made a statement that uh, Hungary, let's just say, or Italy in this case, would in this political situation do what's good for Italians or for Hungarians. Such a radical idea. <laughs> exactly. Well, I wanted to say the German first movement is really showing us the way. I mean, the German the German leadership has said we're going to protect our people. We're going to buy gas and, and oil and fuel for our people because we want our people not to freeze to death. Oh, sorry, you're not German. You're not on the top of our list. And you want to look and be like, uh, yeah, OK. I mean, no, nothing wrong with that, except that you've been promising these other European Union nations that you would behave differently, that we were all in this together. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm for the German first movement. Uh, Ted, how do you translate what you see in Italy, what you see in Bolsonaro in, in Brazil? You know, the, the predictions were that Bolsonaro was going to go down in flames. He ended up uh, either you know tied or close to tied and there'll be a runoff. What do you think that means in November in the United States? So this is part of a larger global phenomenon. You, you correctly see it in Brazil. You see it in Japan. You see it in India, I would remind you, with the government of Modi. Uh, this is a reaction over the last few years, I would argue, into the next decade against globalism. That's what this is. And I would look to the American election to some extent, although there, you know, every nation has its own particular issues, all politics is local or national in this case. I would say that the American uh, midterm election and particularly the next presidential election will be in that same model. That's if it's not rigged. Yeah, there you go. All right. Ted Malik, as always, thank you uh, for your time. And uh, the piece is great. We'll uh, put it up on social media again. Uh, American Greatness, amgreatness.com. Maloney's Grande Nuova Italia. Thanks, Ted. Good. All right. Ted Malik, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. As Americans try to put COVID behind us, another frightening virus seems to have invaded our country. Monkeypox. This disease causes hideous disfigurement one might see in a science fiction horror movie. Monkeypox originated in Africa and was kept out of our country by President Trump, but President Biden has allowed it to spread to all of our 50 states. The Democrat governors of California, Illinois, and New York have declared a state of emergency, as New York City and San Francisco did early on. San Francisco's mayor absurdly declared that the virus impacts everyone equally, although nearly all cases have occurred in men who recently had sex with other men. New York City Mayor Eric Adams declared this outbreak must be met with urgency, action and resources, both nationally and globally. This is the same man who viewed COVID with such senseless seriousness that unvaccinated Brooklyn basketball star Kyrie Irving was banned from playing, but was allowed to cheer his team on from the stands in close proximity to other fans. In the early days of the COVID pandemic, ordinary Americans were harshly fined and even imprisoned for keeping their small businesses open to eke out a living for themselves and their families. Yet nothing of this sort is even suggested for dealing with monkeypox and the festivals and parades that are spreading it. As Donald Trump once observed, people are so worried about being politically correct that they're unable to function. Trump may not have known just how prophetic his words would be. 
The costly inaction by the Biden administration on monkeypox seems to be due to its fear of crossing the LGBTQ voting block. Science is many things, but being politically correct is not one of them. If we're actually going to follow the science with regards to stopping the spread of monkeypox, the very first thing we should do is shut down every gay pride parade and festival in our nation. This shouldn't just turn into another excuse to spend our grandchildren's money on problems of today. We need decisive leaders who will call out and shut down true super spreaders of monkeypox. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. The traditional family is the building block of our communities and country. That's why it's imperative to support strong marriages, respect fathers, and champion stay-at-home moms. At phyllisschlafly.com, we oppose the liberal attempt to redefine the family. To join us, visit phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in a ProMarker Report. Hey, I don't, um, I don't usually point you directly to one article, one commentary, but I need to this time. There is a man named Jeff Carlson who writes over at the Epic Times, theepictimes.com, um, and he wrote a piece about 10 days ago, followed, up, followed it up and updated it, and it's lengthy, and it's an analysis of the establishment's response to Donald Trump's presidency. And he goes through um, what happened in July of 2016, starting with Comey, then Brennan, and goes through all these different aspects of what was happening in our government, all the way down through what I talked to you about the other day, which is the great meeting, uh, the great uh, email from Susan Rice to herself about doing everything by the book. This this is really helpful, Jeff Carlson, uh, and what he's done, because it, it sort of plods through. And when you read it, you won't believe it. First of all, you'll be like, what? How can this all have happened? But you um, and he oh, here hosts a TV show over there called The Truth Over News, um, which is also good. But uh, but this article, it's a, it's a pair of articles. They were both updated. Is it really worth your time? Because you, you actually forget. I forgot a lot of the crazy stuff that went on. A lot of the insane stuff um, that has happened. I mean, it is just crazy, um, and it's important to um, to go through it. Uh, and it's um, it's really helpful. It's really helpful. So um, the um, I, I was just I, I was reading it again. I, I'm going to go through it, and I, maybe I'll make a a one pager out of it. Um, and um, it uh, it's it's really good. It's really helpful. So Jeff Carlson's his name, the Epic times.com. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, share it with other people and I will make a one pager out of it. So people can see exactly what's going on. He's also on Twitter. Uh, he's worth a follow there. Uh, important stuff. So Jeff Carlson, a good deal. And um, yeah, he's um, I guess he's a journalist. Uh, I don't know where he was before the Epic times, uh, but very helpful uh, piece over there. All right. Uh, next week, I'll get an update for you. I don't think I'll do it tomorrow. Um, maybe I'll get it this week. An update on January 6th. Uh, there's been some trials in uh, New York City, New York City, in D.C., um, and uh, some coverage on that. Most of it's a lie, the coverage, uh, but we'll I'll get an update on that from Cynthia Hughes and um, and see if we can uh, figure out exactly what's going on. I mean, um, I had a long conversation uh, with um, someone whose family member is charged and isn't in jail about it. It's just torture. The whole thing has been a torturous, literally it's been torture. Uh, the, the federal government has been torturing people through this process, lawfare, lawfare, where they use the legal system against we the people. It's just stunning, terrible. 
terrible stuff. So uh, we'll cover that later in the week. And uh, we also will get an update from uh, Adam Anjewski on Open the Books. OpenTheBooks.com, one of my favorite sites. We'll hear from him, I think, uh, either tomorrow or Friday. So that's all I've got. Let me say thank you uh, for uh, to Chris Dugan filling in for Noah Dingley, our producer. Thank you for all you're doing. And also uh, Joanna Spilger and Ryan Height in the uh, Phyllis Slapley Eagles home office uh, in uh, St. Louis for their great work on all of this stuff. So we will uh, be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Don't forget, please visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up there for the daily email, and we'll be back tomorrow. Talk to you then. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.